I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. Welcome to the 35th episode of Restaurant and Retail Revelations, a podcast that spotlights movers and shakers in the restaurant and retail industries. In case you don't know, this podcast is made possible by Rebel Systems, provider of the leading cloud-native POS platform on the market. For loyal listeners, you'll notice the cheerfully soothing voice of my co-host, Julie Standridge, is missing from this episode. She wasn't able to join me for this recording, but rest assured, you're not just stuck with me. I've got a riveting guest joining me, and Julie will be back for future episodes. As for this episode's guest, I'm joined by Ken McGarry, who's a man of many talents and titles. Ken is co-founder of Corgan Hospitality. He's chief operating officer of Fabio Viviani Restaurants. And as if those two roles weren't enough to fill his calendar, he is also author of a best-selling book, The Surprise Restaurant Manager. I can't wait to chat with Ken about each of these ventures, and I'm especially curious to learn more about his perspective on what it takes to be successful in the ever-changing restaurant industry. With that, let's get started. Here's Ken. Ken, welcome to the Restaurant and Retail Revelations podcast. You are a man of many talents, and I'm especially grateful that you carved out some time to talk with me today. Thank you so much, Sydney. I really do appreciate your time. So for our listeners, I'd like to get started with, honestly, the many titles that you hold, which include best-selling author, founder of a nationwide restaurant consulting firm, Corgan Hospitality, and of course, COO of the Fabio Viviani Restaurant Group. Um, in no particular order. And I think the common thread for all of those is hospitality. So before we get ahead of ourselves, I'd actually love to walk it back and learn more about how you got your start in the restaurant world and in hospitality. Uh, The way I got my start is pretty much the way most of us did is it was a high school job. And I happened to make the dubious choice of working in one of those pizza-themed restaurants that has a mascot that comes out and waves at you during children's parties. So uh, it was either that you got to wash dishes or wear the mouse outfit. And it was my first time I realized that there was a benefit in actually uh, learning more and getting a promotion because the guys on the pizza line never got pulled to wear the mascot, but you're in dish. You 100% did, so I jockeyed real hard to try to learn how to make pizzas so I didn't have to wear the mouse outfit. So you mastered the art of of pizza in order to avoid the mouse outfit punishment. Am I hearing it, that correctly? It is a punishment. There is no <laughs> doubt about it. I don't, I don't understand. I got all love for mascots of any kind because that that suit is brutal. Indeed. And I, you know, mouse outfit or not, I think a lot of people really can identify with getting their start in restaurants. And I, I love that your career has evolved so much since that humble beginning. And as someone who does hold multiple titles now and multiple roles, I'm also curious to know just how you balance those various demands on your time. Uh, you know what? It is a challenge. There's no doubt because kind of going all the way back to being a dishwasher, there's some sort of like joy and the fact that you start with a plate of like a pile of dishes and at the end it's done and then there's there's a beginning middle and end of your day and that's exactly what and by the end of it dish is cleared you know you've done your job you go home in my role and in a lot of roles in management it never ends 
And it could be a 40-hour-a-week job. It could be a 60-hour-a-week job. It could be 100 hours a week. It, it has everything to do with how you manage your own balance and what parameters you set with your employer in order to make sure that it's not literally everything you're doing 24-7. So we've we've jumped then from um, avoiding mouse outfit to juggling multiple roles, and there's quite a bit of in-between time, I think much of which informed the central theme in your book, which is the surprise restaurant manager. And so I'm just curious, you know, amongst all of the great insights in there for really any reader, regardless of their industry, I'm especially curious to find out um, for those in that surprise promotional scenario, if you had to pick three of the most important readiness tips from your book to kind of prepare someone for success in that situation, what would be the Cliff's Notes format? I think number one is to figure out why you are there. And I equate being a restaurant manager with going to boot camp. It is something you do because you want to move on to something more. Do you want to be a GM? Do you want to go to the back of the house? Is this something that you're doing because you're in the industry, but this is just kind of a, like maybe you work in events, but you're also doing restaurant management. So kind of determining it, what it is that you want to be able to achieve by doing this. The second thing that is, is absolute is figuring out what type of a manager that you are. And much like parenting, you either have great parents and you learn how to be a good parent by the parents that you have, or you might not have great parents and you learn the things that you say to yourself, I'm never going to do with my kids. So because of that, you have to determine what kind of a manager you are. And there's an examination of the different types of managers that do really well in different scenarios. And then from there, it's being able to manage the expectations of not only the guests, obviously, and of your of your staff, but of the owners. Because they're usually the ones that have the biggest personalities, the biggest expectations, and often will play the biggest role in your stress and understanding how that is. And if you can traverse those three things, you're usually a pretty successful manager. Yeah, for sure. That is that's sage advice, uh, especially for someone who has who's lived the experience. Um, and for our listeners, check out the book in full because those were just three tips from what we have. You know, it's it's packed with insights from cover to cover in in the book. So, um, pivoting a little bit from from new restaurant managers to look more broadly at restaurant ops, um, specifically technology. Based on your various experience in hospitality, what would you say are critical considerations for operators looking to improve or enhance their business through tech? One of the first things I find with Corgan Hospitality as I'm going into restaurants that might need challenges is that their analytics, their ability to really understand the what I would, might call the basics. It's how much does it cost to make what you're selling to and how should you price that accordingly? And one of the first things that I often find is that people aren't taking correct inventory. They're not following through. They don't have a true understanding of their cost of goods. And for me, if you're not running a, a correct inventory, if you're not running product mixes, if you're not following up on a weekly basis, then you truly don't have an understanding of fluctuations in the market. We know about supply change. We know how it is affected and things that will jump daily. And if you're not following up on those things, 
your prices can 100% creep up. And next thing you know, a menu that you might have costed three months ago at 26% will be over 30 and you don't understand why you're having such a pinch when it comes to the end of the month. That is a big technological aspect that I usually will solve with some sort of a inventory platform because yes, you can use Excel, but it's easier if you have a system that's a little bit more intuitive from that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And supply chain is one of those headlines that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Um, and, you know, has always been a struggle, but especially as of late, maybe the last couple of years, um, we've seen some very unprecedented changes with it. And so uh, that is, it's a constant battle. And I would guess that it's just good to have a firm grasp of your numbers across the board. So from in inventory on to other reporting metrics. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, now, something that I have to say as a Revel employee, I am especially grateful for is the fact that you often refer new business to Revel um, mm -hmm. uh, for brands who are in the process of looking for a POS solution. So on behalf of the team, thank you for that. Um, and as someone who could truly refer brands to any tech solution, why do you recommend Revel in the instances where you do? All right. So I have a lot to say about this, but I have to I have to put the preface on because it is a very important thing. I have never not once ever been compensated for pitching Revel. It's not and it's I learned this long ago with Corgan is if I get behind a technology, if I get behind a inventory software platform or a scheduler or whatever, and then I take the the you know, the referral fee, which I know you offer and a lot of places do and a lot of people, I then everything that I'm saying sounds like it's bought. So I'm very, very specific in saying anything that I recommend, I do so willingly because I firmly believe in it. And if there's a better solution that comes on, then I would support that. Uh, I came across Revel because of one of my clients here in Chicago called High Vibe, which was a superfood juicery. Fantastic for you know immunity and all those great things. And they use Revel as a, a basic QSR. And so I got into it, started playing with it, and was really, really surprised at the amount of reporting and analytics that I could get from it, including uh, live theoreticals, being able to put in the costs next to the prices, and I could run what my theoretical cogs were and what I should be able to pull in from a daily basis, especially since I'm using it for uh, payroll. And so I really enjoyed how that worked, the KDS functions and then decided that I was going to put it into our new concept, which is Jars by Fabio Viviani. And uh, you might know Fabio from two seasons of Top Chef and about 40 restaurants nationwide and everything else. And he's got an amazing concept that we're using Revel in nationwide. And I like the enterprise aspect of what that does to where I can push it here and then have it spider out to every other franchisee. And there's something really wonderful about having an open source API because I've been able to tie it to a uh, elevated kiosk. I've got a digital menu platform to where whenever I 86 something, it clicks off behind me and 86 is it. I It connects, even connects up to my cameras so that when I'm doing analytics on Q theory and how people are lining up, it ties in where my sales are at the moment. So all of that is great. 
And I just put it into a larger, like a restaurant type thing, because I know Revel got their start as QSR, but I wanted to see how it was going to work in a full restaurant. So I just put it in Indiana and the, the response was amazing. It was, it was really fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, especially with maybe the kiosk or um, some of the other connected functionality that you've seen, have there been any clear quantitative results um, for the the Fabio concept in particular that you could point to since implementing some of those solutions? So the jars is going to be open on uh, January. So I do not have it up and live yet. So I'm I'm hoping right now, fingers crossed for all of those analytics, but it has been proven concept for some of the other things that we're looking for, both from the uh, the end user experience and then also the analytics that we can see from the back end. I will also have to say that the, and I, I see I sound like a shill. This is why I have to say this at the beginning. Uh, I, I work with other POS companies in other places as well, and they've moved to remote uh, training. So they, you, know, you do your own installation, you're on the phone with them if there's any problems, blah, blah, blah. Uh, my most recent one, not only did I have an installer by the name of Brett, who was a beast and went in and put this thing in, but I've been working with my uh, programmer, Andrea, who it, she is incredible, stays very, and she actually flew out to help me to make sure that this entire thing. So I had two different people from Revel that were there putting it together so that there wasn't any misses. Yeah, I think that's something that we see often, especially at Revel, is that kind of convergence of people and tech and that, you know, very similarly to the experience in a restaurant environment, you still need both for a truly exceptional experience. Um, so I'm glad to hear that that translated for you and it sounds like we may have a, a follow-up call in our midst once Jars is up and live. Um, you know, so that we can check in on how things are going and and maybe dive into some some more of those um, metrics and results. Um, so, you know, the the next Pretty question is um, nationwide already. So, you know, uh, right. Already, sorry, with the implementation. Already, yeah, exactly. So I can't yeah. I can't I can't wait for that. That'll be yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so the next question doesn't have to be Revel specific, uh, but obviously, you know, we've touched on this already, just the unprecedented change in hospitality over the last couple of years. And so I'd like to get your perspective on which POS features can be game changers and helping restaurants adapt to ever-shifting marketplace realities. Um, it might tie into the open API uh, topic that we've already uh, kind of referenced here, but if there's anything else in terms of functionality that you think is just key for that, I'd love to hear your perspective. Uh, I think being credit card agnostic is big. And there have been... POS companies that I have worked with that I've truly enjoyed. They have great mobile tablets. They they have a lot of integrations with the same software that I use for scheduling or inventory, all of that. But it becomes a challenge when you're required to use their credit card processing. And yes, it's always that will match your will match your rates. But just like linen supplies or or waste disposal, if you don't check it every three months, these things have a tendency of creeping up. And I like the fact that with Revel, it's credit card agnostic. I can pick, I'm using Revel Advantage, but if Revel Advantage doesn't work, then I'm going to go to 
Chase Payment Tech, or I'm going to go, I can, I can do anything simply because I'm not tied to it as being, you know, I, I feel that there are some companies that being the, the hardware secondary to what is ostensibly a credit card processing aspect. The other thing is that, and I didn't even realize that this was a thing until I turned it on, is um, the employee satisfaction. So once you clock off, it tells you, you know, this is what I thought of my shift today, which I was like, what? But I kind of like it. I mean, right now we're at a 4.8, so I like it. If it starts slipping, I got to figure out why. But some of that communication of being able to, you know, in the moment, understand why it might be a good shift is something I had never considered doing before. Yeah. Wow. Um, employee sentiment. That's, that's valuable, but also maybe a little scary, just depending. So good luck with that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> so um, kind of that's, that's a nice bridge back from straight technology over to kind of the more human side of things. Um, and, you know, whether um, the a, a restaurant has the best technology in the world or not, you know, employee retention and guest experience can still be a huge challenge without the right people in place. And so I'm just curious, um, especially on, on kind of the leadership front, we heard some early tips from you about transitioning into management. But once you're in the manager's seat, what kind of traits, qualities, um, uh, maybe advice do you have to share with our listeners about effective leadership in the hospitality space? I think that there's an opportunity when you're like, let's say a freshman new manager to to kind of find yourself wanting to be an elevated staff member. And what I mean by that is that if you see that the, you know, the bar's going down, that they have long ticket times, your first instinct might be to jump back and roll your sleeves up and start, you know, making drinks. And that is a good thought of, yeah, that that's that's great. And if you're in the pinch, I would never say not to help out. The the reality though is that by jumping back behind the bar, you're probably not a bartender or you definitely haven't been recently because you've been a manager, which means you're slower than your bartenders and you might just be getting in their way. And it's also means that you're locking yourself into one section. So now you're only focusing on the bar. You're not focusing on the bus or station. You're not focusing on the, the expo. You're not focusing on the front door. You're not focusing on anything else but just making drinks. And it doesn't make you as effectual. And most importantly, anything that's happening, whether it's long ticket times, whether it's a long line at the door, whatever it is that's happening, you as a manager need to understand that your biggest role is to focus on guest experience and start talking to tables. If you know it's taking eight minutes for drinks, talk to tables about it and say, hey, I just want to check in. I know I'd be taking a few minutes for your drinks and you know, just to let you know it's on its way. And like anything else, if you can get to a table and talk to somebody before they experience the bad long wait, you're going to be able to do a lot better job of saving that experience. And I think that management has a tendency of losing sight of what it is to truly not only affect everything as a whole, but also to figure out processes so it doesn't happen. If every Friday night you're your bar is going down, then 
do you need a bar back that can help you make drinks? Do you need another bartender? Where how do we how do we streamline this? Do we change the menu? What is what is it that's going to make these things happen? And that as a, as a good manager, you kind of have to counterbalance the needs and the desires of helping the staff, but also what works best for the company because ultimately you want to show that you're an entrepreneur and can really drive the restaurant as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. The bird's eye view is essential and, you know, identifying those things that might be more broken than just your Friday night rush one week. Um, that's something that's really unique to a manager's position. I think that's, that's great insight and definitely one of those things that should be a differentiator as you're moving on up the ranks. So um, very, very good uh, input on that one. So we've covered a range of topics so far. Um, and as a man on the move, I know you've probably got a few other things cooking. And so at this point, I'd love to check in and see what's on the horizon for you, whether it's new books or exciting ventures. What should we keep on our radar? All of those. The uh, I do have a second book uh, that I am in the midst of working on. So the first one is called The Surprise Restaurant Manager because of so many people I know were just handed the keys and just said, okay, you're a manager now. And they had zero training. So it's kind of that primer for that. And so the follow-up is going to be for, for restaurant owners, how they find themselves in situations and quite honestly, why they might be failing. So look for that later on, uh, middle to end of uh, 2023. And then I've got a, several partnerships, which Right now, under NDAs, I will be uh, just saying that they're cool and they're coming and all of those great things. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big year, and it, I, everything seems to be coming, especially with construction, especially with supplies. Uh, we're in a we're in an advantageous situation for those people who are able to retain top talent, because it's really only talent holds any restaurant group back. It's not concept. People can come up with concepts and that's it's definitely not capital because people will invest. You find people, it's that's not the challenge. It's always finding the right people that you know will keep up your your brand and make it work. Yeah. Um, that, that makes a lot of sense and very excited about the next installment in the book series. Um, that's going to be a great one. I think you know there may be some scenarios too where People make it to that manager position and then ownership is, whether through a franchise or some other avenue, um, kind of that next exciting carrot for them to work towards. So that should be a really good addition. Um, yes. And all the pitfalls that follow with it and, you know, the warnings that are you sure you really want to do this? Because, you know, it's 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 much harder to, to hold balance the higher up the chain that you go. Oh, that makes sense. And I think grass's greener scenario is, um, you know, certainly applies in that situation. <laughs> right. If you're the person that says, I want to get in this position because I don't have a boss, then you don't, you're, you don't know what you're doing because quite honestly, everyone is your boss. The higher up you go in any organization, the more you realize the entire world is your boss. And you know, it's just, just what it is. So um, as we, wrap things up for the interview. I want to thank you again for the time. And I want you to also keep me honest at this point, if there's anything that we haven't yet addressed that you think would be important to share with our listeners, I would love to give you that chance to share that now. 
Uh, you know what? I think that for anybody who's considering Rebel, uh, there's one thing that is different, and I didn't like it at all, and now I love it, but I wasn't prepared for it at the beginning. It, and I'm going to go back to Andrea, who's the who's our uh, trainer there. Uh, when I started putting everything together, she'd say, okay, this is how you... This is how you add a button. This is how you put in a modifier. This is how you do. And I'm used to other companies to where I just give you a matrix and bang, you put it in and I do nothing. And it's just all programmed. Well, it was calls and conversations that this is how you do it. And then she'd say, okay, you do it. And I'd be like, but I don't want to do it. You do it. This is kind of the whole point. You're supposed to do I'm just going to sit back and watch kind of like, when a personal trainer tells you, all right, well, this is how you're going to lift this. And then they're like, now you just go ahead and do it. And you're like, oh, okay. So I found myself having to go back and do programming and do things at the beginning. I was like, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing it. And now I feel frighteningly good at my ability. So now this is the third rebel thing that we've put in. And I was able to do the majority of the layout by myself and then just go to Rebel and say, how much did I miss? And it means that as I'm doing updates, as I'm doing modifiers, as I'm doing all of that, I don't have to always call because I can do it on the fly, which is great. I just didn't know I wanted to learn that information, but now I do, and now I have it, and that's and it worked out well. I just wasn't ready for the boot camp aspect of it. That is, I, I love the personal training metaphor as well, because so often things that maybe end up benefiting us in the long run are painful to start. So yeah, I didn't want to do it. I was like, <laughs> I really, I was almost like, no, no, why aren't you doing it? But, but now I, now I'm thankful because just today we made modifications on what we we're doing for, you know, half of our items. And I did it in about 15 minutes, just sitting here right here in my living room. Amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Ken, thank you again uh, for the time, for the insights. I'm going to be waiting with bated breath for the next book and um, uh, look forward to hopefully another uh, a follow-up interview uh, so that we can check on how things are going with JARS and, and Revel um, in maybe a year or two. So um, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Cindy. I really do as well. Take care. Considering the many roles and responsibilities Ken juggles each day, I am delighted that he carved out time to chat with me, and I absolutely love the insights he shared, especially on the topic of what it takes to be a successful, if surprise, restaurant manager. Ken's three management readiness tips are wonderful to me because I feel like they're applicable to all management scenarios, regardless of industry. To quickly recap those tips, they included figuring out why you're in the role, determining what type of manager you are and navigating how you'll manage the expectations of your guests, employees, and owners. So I'm excited to learn even more from Ken as he continues along his own career journey and compiles the materials for yet another book. To wrap up this episode, I'd like to extend a final thank you to Ken for his time, support, and insights. And to all of this episode's listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I invite you to like and subscribe to Restaurant and Retail Revelations on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss new content. We'll be back soon with even more revelations. <laughs>